I here? Can the, you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> Hooray. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. Oh my God. I am so excited to talk to you. I know. I'm excited too. <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so glad we connected. So let's just jump right into it because I feel like there's so much to cover. I'm sure we won't even get to like a lot of just co-parenting in general today. So we'll ha- maybe have to have you on again or something like that. But I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> Before we even get started, let's plan yeah. up now. Um, but anyway, so welcome to 20-something mom. I'm your host, Mackenzie Frank, but I want to thank you so much for joining me and coming on. But I did want to see if you could introduce yourself a little bit. Um, give us a little background, who you are, tell us a little bit about your story for those who don't know you. Okay, sure. So I'm Katie. I am the founder of Co-Parenting Peacefully, and Co-Parenting Peacefully's mission is to help all of you co-parent peacefully. And I have a ton of personal experience. Um, My ex-husband and I were very high conflict for a long time. So really, when Co-Parenting Peacefully started, it was born as a way to just kind of teach people the things that they don't ever get to learn out in the real world about co-parenting. Um, especially when you have someone high conflict, it's so hard to figure out how to navigate that. And then I also was high conflict for a little while too. So I have kind of like both sides of that. I've been on the receiving end and then I've been on the giving end of that. So yeah. Can you tell me a little bit more about like what is high conflict? Like what is that categorized? What do you mean by that? So I always think of high conflict people as people who are very difficult to get along with. Nothing is ever right. Nothing, everything has to be their way or no way. Um, when I think about high conflict people, I'm thinking about, for example, someone that you co-parent with who is insistent that what they want is the only way to do it. They want to control the time at your house. They want to fight with you about every single little thing that there is to fight about, like clothes, like the stupidest little things they want to fight with you about. Um, And it's really difficult, as I'm sure maybe some of your listeners know, it's really difficult to overcome that part of a co-parenting relationship, but can be done. And you're the living proof of it, which is just so cool to talk to you about it. I mean... I do want to, I guess, first talk a little bit about like, what are some of the biggest issues that, because you talk to co-parents and co-parenting situations all the time. So what are some of the biggest issues that come up that we can kind of discuss a little bit? Um, oh my gosh, there are so many. So I think just in a general co-parenting relationship, one of the hardest things is a new partner who comes along. That's really difficult, especially... I feel like it's more difficult for women than it is for men when their ex-partner gets a girlfriend. Um, And then I always talk so much about managing expectations, like your relationship with your co-parent is different now and you have to take your co-parent for who they are, but it's really hard when you want them to do all of the things that you would do and all of the things that you think they should do. Um, So those are two of the really big ones. Those are things that I deal with on a daily basis with my clients. I loved what you posted today. I think it was today about your favorite phrase. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? (laughs) It goes along so well with what you just said. Yeah. So, okay. My, my favorite phrase when it comes to dating is really based off of like, it's not your co-parents business 
who you're dating and it's not their business what you're doing on on your time who you're doing it with um you know that that's for you and you get to decide how much of that you want to tell someone and the thing about that i have that people also have a hard time with is how much do i tell do i owe them this is this something that i have to to explain to them and it's really easy to just say like you know what self i don't have to tell them anything i really don't so my favorite phrase is um you is oh my gosh i'm blanking oh um is i'll let you know when or if there's anything that you need to know and that is such an important way an important phrase to use to tell people like i'll let you know if there's anything that you need to know later but there might not be right now and that's okay you don't have to share those things and if your co-parents like why aren't you telling me this why are you keeping secrets from me it's not that you're keeping secrets it's that you're protecting yourself and that's okay and at the end of the day when we're talking co-parenting aren't really shouldn't the source of it in the center of it be the children so if it's not affecting the children the children are not seeing the person they're not meeting them they're not having any like interactions then I mean is there any like there's no need for them to know no and that's what I tell my clients too like if you feel like this is someone who's going to be here for the long haul then it's probably worth it to mention to your co-parent like hey I'm seeing Susie and she's great I'm going to introduce her to the kids but if this is just like some random person that you just met last month and you have no intention of introducing them to your kids, why would you even mention it? I think when it comes to introducing children to a new partner, things like that, I hear a lot of horror stories about um, – because social media, like we said, is just so prevalent nowadays. And you can look somebody up in a heartbeat and find out kind of who they are, what they're like – what happens if you have a bad vibe or you don't like the look or you've heard personal stories and it's a small world? Like, how do you handle that? If I don't like my ex-husband's new girlfriend or whatever it may be. So that's one of those things where it's kind of like, too bad, so sad. Like, oh, and that's also so hard. And that's why I always tell people, do not look at anyone's social media. Do not do it. Do not follow your co-parent because all you're going to see is like the little bits and pieces of their life that maybe part of you wishes you still had. And then it gets harder. And then it's harder once you see these women or maybe maybe some some um, men do it too. But once you see these people and you're like, okay, so I don't like the fact that she is like wearing that skirt. And I don't like the fact that she's touching my kid in this loving way in a picture. And so there's like all of these things that your mind goes through. So just avoid it. That's what I always say. No social media stalking. That's a good rule of thumb. I feel like it's just, I bet it's so hard because we do it to everybody. Like literally everybody. I feel like you just social media stalk. So it just must be such a hard thing. You're sitting there in bed, like who else do you sock? But, you know. Yeah. And sometimes you just like, it's also hard when you're just genuinely curious about who this person is. Like, I don't think most people stalk on social media because they're like trying to be malicious or they're trying to be sneaky. They just, they're curious. They just want to know. But I always think it's better to come in fresh, like from right now today and meeting this person and taking them at face value and then learning as you go. Because social media, I mean, who knows what you're going to find? It could be 15 years ago and you're still going to hold that against them. 
That's true. I mean, so when it comes to new relationships, do you suggest when when all said all is said and done and you say, hey, I have this person I really want to introduce to the kids, do you think it's important? Like, is there a step-taking criteria that you you kind of say that there should be with like, hey, all the adults should sit down together. We need to meet before the kids do. Like, how does that process work? I think it's so dependent on your co-parenting relationship. Like if you have a great co-parenting relationship, it's going to be really easy for you to say, hey, I want you to meet my new boyfriend. And maybe your co-parent will be like, great, let's go have coffee. Or maybe it'll be like, perfect, let's meet at the park with the kids. But if you have a difficult co-parenting relationship, that it might not be in your best interest to really have people sit down together. It might be in your best interest just to do a quick introduction, like at the door, shake hands, and then you're out. Um, but I always love to see people introduce each other to their new partners before they introduce their new partner to their kids. Because then I feel like it eliminates so much of the extra, like, well, you didn't let me meet her first and I don't even know who this person is and this person's with my kid all the time. And there's so much of that. Like if you just let them say hello, it'll take 30 seconds. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, with that, it's almost like, are what are you really, and, and that also gets into, like you were saying, your relationship with your co-parent because it's then it's also like, well, do you respect me enough to introduce me first? And, and that whole whole idea, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think like one of the things too that people tend to, at least that I see a lot is people tend to say like, my ex is a narcissist or my ex is high conflict and they don't respect me and they don't like all of these things. But maybe it's not that they don't respect you. Maybe it's not that they're a narcissist. Maybe they're hurt. Maybe they're behaving badly. Maybe there's going to be a period of time where like things don't mesh well and things don't go well but perhaps you guys will be able to kind of flex and flow and come out of that. Um, but yeah, back to what you were saying, respect. Yeah. It's a huge sign of respect to just introduce each other. No, totally. I think another issue that um, I hear so often from friends and family members that are co-parenting and going through the ups and downs of that um, is especially, well, initially the, the having to let go of control, right? So and I mean, I want to hear all of your expertise on that um, because I and I can only sympathize even just the slightest bit because I don't know, being a mom and being more of like a type A, I'm just a very like a little bit more of a control freak anyway. And so like just in general. So and I feel like moms have that instinctual like, you know, you from the day that baby's born and there are, con you know, exceptions, but like we pick like. Is this baby like formula fed? Is it breastfed? Is it when are we starting solids? When are we changing the diapers? What diapers we're using? Like my husband didn't decide any of that stuff, you know? Yeah. He doesn't yeah. decide what time bath time was. Like, so from going from that to, okay, here's a bag. Like how, how do you get through that? How can you, how do you just let go of all of that control that you have as a mom? Do you have any tips for anybody? Oh man, that's so hard. That's also one that we work on a lot. Um, so I think for newly divorced or separated or newly co-parenting people, it's really important for you to literally remind yourself that every second that you spend trying to control your co-parent's time, that's wasted energy. 
those are times that you could be spending on yourself. So I always, my first step for people is, okay, so like it's your first weekend without your kids or, you know, the first year has been really hard and you're still struggling. Take some time and just do some things that you enjoy to kind of distract yourself, to kind of get yourself moving, maybe get some of the things done that you like grocery shopping or extra work or laundry so that when you get your kids back, you can have time to spend with them. And I always think that that helps with the control because you're not so focused on it. And that's what you want to do is just stop focusing on what's happening over there because chances are your kids are going to be fine. And that's really hard. They may not be on the same schedule that you want. They may not be on, you know, eating the same foods that you think they should eat. Trust me, I've been through that one. Like there's tons of stuff that you just have to be okay with not knowing. And that's super hard. Yeah. And I mean, for some, I mean, for some situations that I've heard of, it's just that back and forth, back and forth of not knowing, trying to know. But I think it's so important, like you said, to kind of just, there are things I remember hearing when I first had my daughter. There was one tip of advice that I heard that I just loved and I always thought about it. It was when she's sleeping, do things that you cannot do when she's awake. But when she's awake and if there's things that you have to do, do the things that you can do. Like I can, do I want to? No, but I can switch the laundry when she's awake. I really can't be on a like a phone call meeting or a Zoom meeting while she's awake. So you know, you kind of like pick and choose. So like you're saying, that's such good advice to say, like when you don't have your kids, there are things that you need to do as an adult, as a mom, as a just in life that you have to get done. And it'd probably be better if your kids weren't there, like the grocery shopping, like the meal planning, like the extra work. That is such a good idea to just focus on those things because you have to do those. You have, you have obligations. Yeah. And it also gives you a little bit of a sense of control over what's happening. And I know it's different. It sounds like that's not even the same thing, but it really is because then when you're on your time, you are controlling what you're doing. You're making sure that you're thinking about your kids by getting things done on time. Like it really does work. Um, but it's hard. It's hard to forget about those things. It's hard to forget like, Oh, geez, I wonder what my kids are doing. It's hard to forget about that, but it's important. What do you, what do you, what, what is the hardest part about your kids coming back, because I hear this one too. So I asked a lot of questions um, recently to some going through this and some about to go through like co-parenting and just the whole um, the whole idea. And so a lot of people were asking like, what do I do if my kid comes home and says something that I don't like or you know is telling me something that's going on over there? Like, how do you handle that? Do you bring that up to the your co-parent do you address it with the child if it's affecting them like what is your advice in those situations oh man because those are so often right that happens so what I always do and what I always advise people to do is like let's say your child comes home and they're talking about something that happened at the co-parent's house and it's not really something you want to hear like you know this happened to me dad and girlfriend are kissing in the kitchen making pancakes and I was like a disaster after hearing it because it was hard Um, my advice then is to just have like a phrase like, oh, that's great. I'm so glad that dad did that for you. I'm so glad. And like, don't push anymore because it's on dad's time or mom's time. It's not something that's affecting the kids negatively. So little things like that, just a simple, like, oh, that's really cool. That's great. 
Um, when there are things that affect the kids that I hear, I try, I've always made a promise to my kids that I would never tell their dad anything that they said to me unless it affected their safety. So I try to kind of talk them through it. Like, well, how did that make you feel? Does that seem like it was okay to you? Like lots of questions for them to get curious and figure out themselves how they feel. Because I also don't believe in talking negatively about your co-parent. So, you know, like I would never advise me like, well, what a jerk. He shouldn't have said that to you. We don't want to do that. We want to just make sure that we're talking them through their feelings and that they can kind of process on their own. You know um, what? And then I do like, oh, sorry. No, no, keep going. Sorry. Um, if it's safety or health, then I talk to the co-parent, no matter how, how high conflict things are. I mean, there were times when he and I could like barely stand to send a text before things were blowing up. But if there's safety and health, then I think that's always important to address. As you were saying that, it just kind of clicked for me. Doesn't it sound almost like you send your kids to school every day, right? They have this classroom teacher and your kids could come home and say something that you also don't like to hear. You'd kind of handle it the same situation, like kind of talk to your kid first, walk them through that. I mean, in life, that's such good coping skills for your child because they're going to deal with situations that either they don't like, you don't like, or, you know, what have it. And this is your chance as a mom to, again, you can control what's going on. So you get to kind of write the story from there on out. Like, this is how we'll handle it. This is what we'll think or, or and kind of give them guidance throughout. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And my, so my daughter's therapist, which I also always recommend, I think it's great for kids of divorce to have a therapist, no matter how old they are. My son started when he was four and just in like play therapy. And then my daughter does talk therapy because she's a little bit older. Um, but her therapist was telling me that it's a really good idea to talk about the houses as like our house here, for example. So mommy's house would be our house here and daddy's house would be like your house with dad so that they feel like they at least have one safe place. If there is a high conflict situation, then maybe like dad's house is a safe place, but hopefully they're both safe places. But it's it's good to kind of help them meld things together to say like your house with dad, instead of mommy's house or daddy's house, because then I guess they don't feel like they have a place. Yeah, and, and kind of giving them ownership of the, the home. Definitely, yeah. That I never thought that's such a good point too. I love that. I didn't think about it either. She said, her therapist said to me, well, you know, she, is, she doesn't really feel like she has a home that she belongs to because she feels like it's your house or her dad's house. And I was like, oh no, oh, my heart. Yeah. So, so that's, yeah, it's something that I never thought about either, but. But I mean, take that for instance, and just take that into any other situation. It's just the way you're saying it, right? So then you probably from now on, you've always said like your house here and then your house at daddy's or whatever. There are situations like that in every child's life or every parent's where you'll, I'll hear something like, I remember I was with one of my friends and we both have little um, year and a half year olds, little baby toddlers. And she was talking to her toddler, like was doing something and she's like, um, it's okay, you know, I know that looks pretty, but we're not going to touch it. And I just thought that was such a great way of saying it instead of being like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're not, let's, yeah. let's not, that's okay. Like, so I feel like I'm evolving as a parent all the time and just learning of 
oh, maybe I should say it like that. That sounds a lot better, you know? Yeah, definitely. And that was one of those things that I was like, I know I took us a little off topic, but I was like, man, that's a really good way for divorced kids to feel like they belong in both places instead of just one. Has there any, yeah, has there been any other things like that that you've pulled from their therapy that would be helpful to other kids or parents? Um, so I think I kind of touched on it a little bit when I was giving the, the story just now about um, the different houses, but kind of making sure that your house operates in a way that works for you guys. I was kind of trying to meld that I was having trouble letting go of that control and I was trying to like meld the two houses together and make sure that everything was going you know same bedtime same all of that and her therapist was like it's okay if your two houses run differently that's okay as long as like mommy's house is safe and daddy's house is safe like that's okay and that was part of when I was like oh man I thought that I had let go of all the control like I thought and then I realized I really was still trying to control like these little tiny, <laughs> like bedtime and what they ate for breakfast in the morning. So that's been relieving though, to like let go of that and just focus on what happens at my house. And I think going back to us talking about control, people that are listening that are like, oh yeah, I, I do tend to try to control. I think that they will feel so much relief when they let a little bit of it go. It's hard to try to manage two houses. Just worry about your own. And it'll be so much easier. It's hard enough to manage one house. Hello? Mm -hmm. Why are yeah. we trying to do two? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you poor thing. Sometimes people come to me and I'm like, wait a minute. There's no way you can, like, keep things running at their house and your house. You have to, you have to like, just let them have it. And maybe they'll totally screw it up. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they won't. But at the same time, I think it's so cool for you to bring that up because – Without hearing that, how would you ever know? Like you were saying, you thought that you were letting go of the control, but once you heard that, it was like, wait, no, I'm not. I'm still trying to control the bedtime, what they ate for breakfast. But you probably in your head, it was just like, oh, that's just normal. Like they should go to bed at this time. Like it makes sense to me. It probably makes sense to you. But yeah. talking about these things and bringing them to the surface really can help somebody like you yeah. that was in that situation. Like, hey, it took a lot of weight off my back when they just like, Dad does bedtime, right? Like, yeah. that's like, it. He's, he does his own thing at his house, and I oftentimes don't agree, but it's not my choice. And that's also part of something that's really difficult is that's letting go of control and letting go of, like, this is how I think it should be done. But unfortunately, now you don't get to choose. So your life becomes so much easier once you're like, you know what? I'm just going to work on what I can work on, and they're going to do what they can do. And, like... Occasionally, my ex-husband will call me and he's really in a jam because he's totally messed something up, which is, which I'm like, all right, like, how can we, how can we work through it? And we'll see if we can fix it, which sounds bad, but it's, he's just not a great scheduler and he's not a great, like, so I've come to realize that occasionally I'm going to have to. Hey, my husband, my husband's the same way. <laughs> I like to blame it on them being guys, but I guess nowadays you can't really say that. Yeah, that's true, but it might be true a little. <laughs> Um, hey, so I want to ask you a little bit about, and we kind of touched upon it a little bit, but not so directly, boundary setting. Mm -hmm. What can you, what can you tell me a little bit about that for someone that maybe is just starting out, doesn't really know how to begin even that topic of boundary setting or what that even looks like? 
So boundaries are the most important thing that you can do to preserve your own peace during a divorce, a separation, during the whole co-parenting life that you're going to have, which is going to be like 18 years or something. Um, boundaries are going to keep you safe. And boundaries are for you. They're not for your co-parent, which I think is confusing to people. They think like, I'm going to set this boundary and my co-parent's going to listen and everything's going to be great. But that's not how it works. You're setting the boundary for yourself. So, um, okay, okay, example. Um, I'm not going to answer the phone after 9 o'clock p.m. when my co-parent calls. And it's not because I want to teach him to not call me at 9 o'clock. Well, maybe that's part of it. But the other part of it is like you're preserving your peace. You're not going to answer after nine because it's nine o'clock. You've got bedtime. You've got things you're going to do. The boundaries are really there to help you function more effectively in your own world and to kind of keep them, your co-parent out where they don't need to be dating, for example, or, um, I mean, your personal life. I, I don't talk a lot about my personal life with my co-parent. I don't talk about dating. I don't talk about any of that. And those are boundaries that I've set to kind of preserve my own peace. Yeah, that's that's great advice. I think when it comes to discipline, how does that differ? Because obviously dating, like that's your choice. You He can't, he or whoever, like any co-parent can't force you to be like, who are you dating? Tell me now, let me see your phone log, you know? So, but parenting styles, right? Now yeah. I know that could go under the control umbrella. You have to let go, go of control, but sometimes in some situations it's it's a matter of spanking or not spanking like some people are very against it some are okay with it imagine that kind of situation mm -hmm. that's a really hard one and so I know different states have different laws about punishments and so always of course check yeah. and see what your state says and all of that but that's also one of those situations where you kind of have to say like all right I guess that's just how the other house is going to discipline. And if it's, you know, if it fits within the laws and if it, there's nothing outlined in the court order saying that he or she cannot spank, like that's probably the way it's going to be. You can try to sit down and have a conversation. And one other thing about having conversations with your co-parent is oftentimes it's better if you have a serious thing to talk about to like go to a coffee shop, sit down bring a list of what you want to talk about, kind of outline it because it's really easy to get trapped in like that two hour long phone call or like screaming at each other on the porch. But if you're in a, a more public setting, sometimes it's easier to have those hard conversations, but that might be one that if you feel like your co-parent could be receptive, you could talk to them about it and say like, cause that, cause discipline, I think we all know that that the more consistent you are, the better. So that's one of those things that if you feel like you guys are like really on opposite ends of the spectrum, it's probably worth it to say something. Yeah. And then, I mean, if you're, if you're able to say something, then yeah, you're probably in a better situation mm -hmm. anyway, right? Yeah, probably. And like this, I also think though, to, to your point, there is some control. So if this is a type of discipline that you just like don't agree with but it's not necessarily hurting your kids and there's nothing that you like that might be one that you're like okay well I guess they're not going to have tv for two weeks at dad's house like you know whatever there are some punishments that my ex-husband gives that I'm like dang that's really pretty serious like for for what they've done but it's not my house so. yeah not my house not my rules so yeah. 
actually on the um the disciplines topic a lot of people always flip-flop and or really don't know what to do with the idea of do you carry over punishments Ooh, that's a good one um we do you uh, do my co-parent and i do depending on how serious the offense i say that with like yeah. <laughs> like they're little but we we have and that has only been recent because it's only been recently that we've been able to actually like have a conversation because like i said we were very high conflict for a long time um so we've done both recently we have been carrying them over but but not for like you know they stole a cookie it's more for maybe they got in trouble at school maybe there was you know something that happened that really was more serious so in that case actually that did just happen to us so yeah we did carry over the punishment but not always i mean for little things no yeah he tries sometimes he'll say well they did this at my house and so they need to be punished at your house and i'm like i don't think they do so yeah because i was it. gonna say who then decides that but i guess at the same time it'd be if i want to do it at my house again like everything else i'll do it at my house right yeah exactly and that's what i said to him like i don't think that's a, a punishment that should carry over and I'm not going to do it. And that's also one of the great things about having your two separate houses is when you don't agree with your co-parent, it's your time in your house. So you can do whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> you really don't have to listen to anybody at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I do want to know too, um, a lot of, a lot of people, unfortunately that I've talked to have to deal with the whole idea of disappointment. Um, with their parent not showing up, forgetting, you know, not being there. And obviously it's great when that's not the case, but I'm sure in your line of work, you've worked with situations like that um, because I just, it's so prevalent, unfortunately. But um, what, what would be advice in that kind of situation? How do you support your kids? How do you talk to the co-parent about it? So this is another really good gem from my daughter's therapist, but she always says to me, it is not your job to fix the relationship that your children have with their father. It's not your job to make excuses for him. It's your job to just create a safe space at, at your house with mom or whatever, however you're referring to it and kind of allow them to create their own opinions of their other parent by again asking those questions like how i'm sorry how did that feel um is there anything i can do to help like kind of really coming at it from an empathetic place and not providing those excuses which was really difficult for me for a long time to not be like oh well he's probably busy uh maybe he just got caught up at work like so I think that that's also really hard for people because they really want to protect their kids and they want their kids to know that their other parent loves them and they want to make those excuses so that it's easier for their kids. Um, but I don't, I just never think that's a good idea. Wow. Okay. Wait, that is, that is so like, I'm almost speechless for that because I totally get it how you said it, but then I put myself in the shoes of, of the parent in one of those situations and I can't imagine like you were saying you just want to be like oh no honey it's fine don't cry like he's I would literally probably make up a whole big fat lie like 
Yeah. He was getting you McDonald's and then the ice cream ran out and he was probably going to go fix it and he's Superman. Like, you know, yeah. you don't want your baby to feel less or forgotten or unimportant or or anything like that. But yeah. that's so true. That's so hard. Yeah, it's really hard. And I think oftentimes, like, it's hard on the kids, but in the moment, it's harder on the adult because you're, like, panic thinking. How am I going to fix this for my kid? How am I going to make them feel better? How am I? And, it, like, it's not your job, and that's so hard. It's so hard to be like, okay, well, so I guess I can't provide excuses, and I guess I really can't help them through this in any way other than being empathetic and understanding. Yeah, and then I guess that that really does just foster the emotions that they naturally should have for situations like that and being able to process them in a healthy way. I mean, if that's happening, then it's probably not going to be the last time it's happening or the first time it's happening, you know? So they're going to have to process it somehow. And if you keep making excuses, are you going to be always there to make them for them? So that's probably a good way to look at it too, even though it may be so hard to swallow in the moment. Yeah. I mean, I'll never, I feel like my daughter's therapist is like always pointing things out to me, but I'll never forget. She was like, you have to stop trying to fix the relationship and stop trying to save everyone. It's not your job. And I was like, oh, like a blubbering crying mess. Cause I'm like, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was like yeah. helping. And she was like, you're really actually not helping. <laughs> like, but that's so hard as a mom because, or in any parents, like what do you mean my job is to protect? I had this baby to protect it. That's period, you know? Um, but it makes sense. It really does make sense. And I would have never thought of it like that if yeah. if I didn't hear it. Yeah. And I think like like we talked about too, just allowing them to really feel their feelings and just being a safe place for them. Like, because I think oftentimes if we kind of feel it too, like it's about us well, why, why aren't they here? They should, I told them. And it's really, you have to like take yourself out of that mindset. It's about your kid. It's about make, making them feel better, walking them through their emotions, but it's so hard. Yeah. And I guess aside from wanting to protect your child, I mean, we don't, we want to protect our children to an extent, right? In my eyes, I want to protect my daughter, but I can't shield her from all the horrible things in the world or, being hurt, but how I can protect her is, like you said, walking through emotions, showing her it's okay to have emotions, showing her what to do with those emotions when they are hard or conflicting. And I mean, that's such that's such good advice, I feel like, in parenting, period, right? Definitely. I mean, always you should be allowing them to feel their feelings and talk them through things and help them just really get down into like, how do I feel? Why do I feel that way? And also when you have an inconsistent co-parent, they're going to keep being inconsistent. Like you said, this is not going to be the last time that this will happen. And it's going to be easier if they kind of adjust to that over time, instead of like, you've been making excuses for 15 years. And now all of a sudden, boom, like dad didn't show up and now you're out of excuses. Yeah. Like, you know? Totally. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I did too want to ask you, on that topic what happens and I know these are all like hypothetical 
questions, but I feel like they evolve into these topics that are so relevant in this in this whole topic, you know, of co-parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens when one child doesn't want to go with the other parent? How does that work? So it, I think it depends a lot on the age of the child because, okay. you know, okay. once they turn in certain states, like once they turn 13, 14, 15, whatever, they can make their own choices. But I always think it's really important to have a routine before your drop off or before your exchange, especially for little kids. Um, so like, let's say every morning before you go to dad's house, you guys sit and you have breakfast and you eat yogurt and you watch a show or like just whatever is going to be consistent every morning so that the kids are used to that. And then at the end of that, okay, guys, we have to get our shoes on. It's time to go to dad's house or whatever. And also the phrasing is, is kind of important saying like, we have to go to dad's house is very different than saying we get to go to dad's house. So sometimes I think shifting the phrasing a little bit is helpful. So what's better saying we get to go to dad's house now? Yeah. Like we get to go to dad's house instead of like, well, we have to go to dad's house because have to is a little more negative sometimes. And I know it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but that really helped my kids when I said like, yay, we get to, we get to go to dad's house. It's time. Let's go get our shoes on. And so I saying like, well, we have to go because they really struggled. They were one and three when we split up. So they really struggled with the back and forth and the exchanges and having that special time together, that little bit of a routine, knowing that we get to go to dad's house now. And then having a routine when they got home, especially when they were really little. So when they were super small, they'd come here and we'd get a board game as soon as they came in and we'd play a board game. And that was our kind of transition. And for whatever reason, that really helped them to kind of go house to house. I don't know what their dad did. I don't know if he did anything, but I really saw a lot of big changes in them when we did the routines. Yeah, the routines. I mean, you just feel like you hear about routines as far as young as like newborns, right? Like bedtime routine, they thrive on that. So that just makes total sense anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that. I've never even, I never thought of that. And you said your children were one and three. How do you have any advice for a co- going into a co-parenting relationships with kids so young, babies, like one years old, that's so little, um, that can be tough on you, that can be tough on the baby, but it can be done in such a flawless way. How did you manage that? What are some tips that you have? Oh my gosh, it's been so long. So we started our schedule off with um, the shortest that we could, which was a two, two day on like two, two, three. So Monday, Tuesday, one parent had them, Wednesday, Thursday, the other parent had them, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the other parent had them. So it was kind of like an alternating um, never really consistent, but it was good for the kids because they saw us every two days. And then there was the three day weekend. Um, and then I do think that when your kids are that small, there does have to be a little bit more coordination between the houses because there might be like, my son was still taking bottles. So there had to be some sort of like, he just had a bottle. He needs his nap around two. Like there was much more And I don't, I struggle to call it control because it's not really, it's just their routine when they're tiny is, it kind of has to be consistent. Um, But we were pretty good about that between the houses. And um, the other thing that I think people forget is like, if you get a parenting plan, this is a little off topic. If you get a parenting plan when your kids are one and three, you're going to have to change it later because your kids are one and three when you split. 
you're going to have to amend it and like modify it later on because your kids are going to grow and what they needed when they were one and three is going to be very different than what they need when they're 10 and 12. So just a little side note, like keep in mind that you're probably going to have to modify things. And when does something like that happen? Who decides that? Like, hey, it's time to modify this now. You guys can decide it together. Um, It's always like really great if you can, because in most places you can decide like, hey, we're going to change X, Y, and Z. We're both going to sign off on it. We're going to file it with the court. And it's like super cheap. Um, I don't know. Here it's a hundred bucks. I don't know what it is other places. Um, But if you guys can't agree and you both don't want to sign off on it, there are things that you are really having a hard time agreeing on. You might have to go to court. You go to mediation. There's a couple different options. Um, And then there are some people who never modify their parenting plan like me, (laughs) like my co-parent and I haven't modified it. Um, But we did put like we did put things in there that, for example, when the kids are five and eight, we'll switch to this schedule when the kids are we kind of did plan for them getting older and kind of progressing. Um, But some people never modify it and that's fine for them. If you have a high conflict co-parent, I think that you should always think about modifying it because high conflict people like to tell you one thing and then do another. So that's important too (laughs) to remember. Um, Yeah. So I'm trying to think of other tips. It's so hard when they're, when they're little like that, but really the consistency with the schedules, um, making sure that you're seeing the kids really often is a good thing. Um, Like if you're in daycare, it's really good to let the daycare providers know like, Hey, here's what's happening. We're, we're transitioning. We're going between houses. It's important for them to know, like, might be a rough day today. Um, But also, like I said, my co-parent and I were pretty high conflict in the beginning, and sometimes there wasn't a lot of communication. And I have a very healthy six and eight-year-old now. (laughs) So like, you know, I mean, that's, that's something, there's something to be said for kind of knowing that your kids are going to be okay, even if things are not easy. Yeah. And Again, there's so much information out there. There's people like you that do what you do to help and support. There's podcasts like this that get some information out there about it that you can listen to. I mean, that's really what it's about. And I mean, I strive in this podcast to kind of talk about those unspoken topics and address things that really are a little uncomfortable for people to just kind of find the information for or talk about. Um mm-hmm. And, and that's what you guys, you, you know, you're doing with your platform. And it's so important for people all over to hear this stuff because whether you're going through it now, a friend's going through it, a family member's going through it, there's a lot of information. And I mean, as we're talking, I mean, I can take a lot away from this just in parenting in general in life, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's always easier if you can let go a little bit in some places even if you're still with your spouse and you guys are like loving life together it's okay to let him take on a little bit more responsibility and I think that's something that we struggle with as moms when we're co-parenting is like like we talked about this a little bit earlier but like letting them fail and letting them have their opportunity to try and I think like just coming from a marriage I was like dang he's there's no way he's gonna be able to do this I don't even know if he can like feed them I'm not sure he knows how to give them a bath I don't know if he knows what time school is like there were all of these questions that I had (laughs) and I was really kind of shocked that he managed to feed them he managed to get them where they needed to be like I said scheduling is sometimes still an issue but he really he surprised me and I think if we can when we're co-parenting if we can like remember 
maybe they do know how to do it. Maybe the problem is that I've enabled them a little bit during our relationship and now it's time to let them fly and see what happens. Yeah, that's such a good mindset to have. I, I again, like I said in the beginning, I'm so thankful for you to come on here and just kind of give some of this advice and some of this wisdom for people that are struggling out there because I I know for a fact there are a lot of them listening to this podcast um, that can really benefit from this information. Uh, before we wrap up though, and you tell us where we can find you and everything, is there anything else that you think maybe we didn't really, and I know there's so much to dive into, so much more. I think that the most important thing to remember is that your time is your time and your co-parents time is their time. And that goes along with the control that goes along with letting go. It goes along with just understanding that like your life is very different now and it's okay for your co-parent to co-parent the way that they want or to parent the way that they want to. And it's okay for you to parent the way that you want to. And the other thing, communication. I see so many problems with people's communication when they're co-parenting. Like I can't even tell you. You guys have to be respectful of each other's time. You have to be respectful of new relationships that come along. And sometimes that means like you have to scale back on the communication a little bit. Maybe you need to go to emails. Maybe you need to go to weekly phone calls. But like the constant communication is enough to drive anyone crazy. So that would be my other caution, the communication part. And figuring out what works for your situation. And that can always change and and shift as needed right oh absolutely there's no i mean there are no rules you guys can can change things anytime that you need to but just remembering a couple of those things like it will help so much (laughs) it's the golden rule communication right (laughs) (laughs) communicate effectively and concisely (laughs) i love it well thank you so much again i am just so happy where can we find you? What are what do you have? Any new projects? What do you have going on? Oh my gosh. Okay. So you can find me at co-parenting peacefully on Instagram. And then I have a dot com, the same co-parenting peacefully. Um, and I'm coming out with a new online course that's kind of geared towards um people who are newly separated and teaching them about boundaries and communication and Um, behavior change that they might need to make, kind of dealing with the anxiety that sometimes you feel when you are in the same space as your co-parent. Really good for people, I think, who are kind of like, coaching's a little expensive, but I really need something. So, And then also I offer coaching services, which is really fun. I love that. And what is that like? Is that more of like a one-on-one, weekly type of deal? Yeah. So most of my coaching services are, I have a couple different programs, but it's, it's weekly, um, 60 minutes, zoom or phone. We just kind of figure out what you need and we figure out how to get you there. So, you know, a vast majority of the people come to me with like high conflict things, but I've also had stepmoms and bio moms who just need some help letting go, <laughs> which we talked about. Um, so yeah, anything co-parenting, I'm your girl. I love it. That's so that's so amazing. That's so helpful. And coming from someone that that's actively going through and have like has gone through it is just 10 times better. I mean, who else would you want to get the advice from, right? That's much. You're so sweet. That's how I feel. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, everybody go follow and yes, I'm so excited to have this up and and get the words out, right? Yes. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. Of course. Well, thank you everyone so much for joining. This was another episode of the 20-something mom with your host, Mackenzie Frank. I hope you enjoyed this co-parenting episode. 
be sure to subscribe, like, leave a five-star review, comment, everything you can. Go follow us at the 20-something mom on Instagram and join us next Wednesday for a whole new episode of the podcast, the 20-something mom. We'll catch you next week. Bye.